Good day, friends. Thank you so much for joining our podcast and uh, taking time to listen. We are, in fact, going to launch one of uh, one new pod, uh, the relationship pod. So if you uh, take a look at our website, you'll see there are four pods, and one of them is relationships. And uh, they have, you know, relationships happen to be one of the most amazing uh, and most devastating when it comes to outcomes between two human beings. Right? Um, it's really a realm where human beings discover mysteries about one another and it never stops or fascinating us and there have been so much written about it spoken about it discovered research there's a lot that's going on so there are many kinds of relationship um, you know one of the primary ones that we generally talk a lot about is between god and if you believe there's a god and man um and between human beings, marriage would be one of the most talked about subjects, right, in terms of relationships. So we're going to explore those two paradigms with my good friends, Johns and Suja. Um, I, I, I was really moved by the way they have spoken. Um, and we've had a great discussion. Now listen in, you know, we, I encourage you to listen into their uh, open, loving disposition. I so I so appreciate their candid and courageous posture, which I think is truly one of humility. Because friends, telling the truth is the most courageous thing uh, that you can do as a human being, and there is no substitute to that approach. So take a listen, and and I hope it encourages you. And I'll uh, talk to you guys after the discussion. So what I generally ask people to share is sometimes you know I, I goof up and I don't ask them. A to tell tell us uh, a little bit about yourself. Uh, you know, both of you, maybe you can give a brief background so people, you know, instead of me writing up the introduction, I just, you know, we <laughs> just have the introduction on tape. All right, go for it. Whoever wants to start, John, maybe so Jay John, can start. John can start. John <laughs> John's can start. Can start. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's a term we use for that. It's called voluntold. Not volunteer. Oh, really? <laughs> I like that. I might have to use that again. Please. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm John. I you know, grew up in Assam where uh, both my parents worked with the you know, Indian you know, government. So then that's where we, I mean, I, you know, I lived all my school life with my college in Calcutta. Um, then worked in Chennai for a few years, uh, then worked in Bangalore. That's where I stayed with Donald. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then went to Pune, came back to Bangalore, got married. Now here in Orissa. <laughs> yeah. Is a short yeah. version. Yes, that would be as short as it the, can get. I know. <laughs> you would only get a short version with him. You would never get the full description. Yeah. Go for it, Suja. Yeah, um, so I was brought up in the Gulf and uh, came to India uh, and uh, always lived a city life slash town life. I mean, never knew anything apart from the concrete jungle. So um, we were in Bangalore after marriage, like he was saying. Uh, and after which it took us a while, a long while to, uh, I would say it took me a long while to finally realize that God was calling us to a place like this. And this would be my very first stint in being uh, something, not even rural. It is, we keep saying it's the back of beyond. So that's <laughs> where we are right now. And uh, I can't really believe that it's going to be six years in May that we are finishing a term. <clears throat> in the meanwhile, wow. um, I think so much has happened between the start and right now. Because, um, yeah, two children have come, beautiful two kids uh, that, we've, that God has used to bring about a lot of change in me personally, uh, not just the mission ground. So, yeah, I mean, the journey goes on uh, for us as a family. And, uh, yeah, here we are. Um, so my connection with you would be largely with um, the EU and the Bible studies that we had and... Uh, and the friendship and the you know brotherhood that we share is still stand strong. So yeah, I thank God for that that we're connecting now to speak about something that I feel very inequipped because this is not my yeah. turf. 
but god has called us here so i'm yeah, all excited to share yeah yeah you know i think we we probably heard of that term whom he doesn't call the qualified but he qualifies the called right so yeah. we in everything that we god has called us to i think he he qualifies us he kind of you know builds us up towards it right yeah that's awesome uh, um so a little bit about your your upbringing in the way your parents brought you guys up um was it traditional was it uh, you know, what was kind of the environment that you guys grew up in at home grew up in a very yeah i would say traditional um you know malayali family um you know my parents were part of uh, the denomination called the martoma um you know uh, so yeah but then uh, almost all our friends were non malayali um you know so although we had a very strong malayali influence at home mm. outside the home we we had almost nil uh, in a kerala influence so that i think would cause a lot of uh, trouble i think even now causes trouble because <laughs> my parents think we they brought us up as malayalis uh, <laughs> we think no no we didn't grow up as malayalis <laughs> so, yeah yes it was a, i mean i mean quite a you know ordinary malayali home uh, my parents were nominal christians uh you know so the religion was an important part of of our growing up uh you know uh, yeah so they were very you know devout church in the church goers uh, you know in that sense yeah. Mm. yeah so yeah how about yeah, you yeah and uh, yeah i grew up in a christian home um very um what do i say charismatic slash pentecostal kind of an environment is where i uh, grew up in uh and the person that i am which uh, very compliant uh kid that i used to be i don't know how i am now but uh <laughs> it just was something that i went with you know uh so even though my parents knew the lord it was never a personal thing for me and uh, grew up just listening to what they have to say as the gospel truth in every sense no matter how it sounded whether it was very strict and yeah so my dad was like really protective we are three girls so grew up in a very strict home strict christian home but yes it was a bible believing um, charismatic home and um, <clears throat> i would say that has helped set the you know the field platform for me to also take it forward even though i had my moments of uh rebellion and uh times where i realized that this is something i need to find for myself because i would just kind of swim with the tide and never questioned anything and uh, there were times and points where i questioned everything and uh, especially i think when i entered into marriage there were times in our marriage where i had to question a whole lot of things and uh, that's when christ really started becoming more than just my parents faith and so i came from a very protected loving home i must say that we grew up almost like a picture perfect loving home so never any turbulence never any i mean like i said my dad was strict but there was so much of love in the house and so much of love in the family and in their marriage but uh, like i said when things hit hard for me personally in my own marriage that's when i started um, questioning my own faith till then there was no reason to question my faith yeah so i would say that the environment uh, and the story behind where i grew up mm. what what is it about kind of hardship that is in some sense beneficial almost obviously we don't want to be in hardship right? any kind of hardship right whether it's in the world or emotional social you know physical financial whatever but what is it you know what do you guys think is kind of the sometimes the hardships that really lead us to something of freedom right it it kind of opens up the closed mind in some sense which was not you know kind of used to some of this <laughs> you know hassle 
Yeah, actually, you know, right from my uh, school days, uh, I mean, I've had a stammer, you know, almost, uh, I mean, not almost all my life, all my life I had a stammer. It was a lot more pronounced in school than it is now, you know. So I always grew up with that, in that sense, handicap, mm. uh, you know, that, and that did affect, I think, almost all areas of life. Um, you know, early in life, I used to be very angry at God, angry at people because, uh, you know, people used to laugh at me. Um, you know, and by the time I was in maybe, you know, somewhere in high school, maybe class, you know, seven, eight or something, um, you know, I mean, I mean, at that time itself, I had, uh, you know, almost, I mean, I was clear in my head that, you know, I am not going to obey this God, you know, if he's there, because he's this cruel, um, uh, yeah, you know, cruel, uh, mm-hmm. you know, despot, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't want to have anything to do with him, uh, you know, but it was those, and then, I mean, life kept getting harder because uh, you can't, you know, clinch your fist at God and enjoy life for too long. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, well said, well said. You know, yeah, so then as life kept getting harder, is, uh, you know, is when, uh, you know, I turned back to God and I saw that all, how all those hardships were actually very instrumental in how God has shaped me. I mean, uh, even today I've got friends who had a fairly, um, you know, smooth life. Uh, smooth in the sense I'm talking about, you know, materially and, uh, you know, I mean, quite smooth. And, uh, you know, but beyond that, when it comes to the deeper issues of life, they just lost, you know, totally lost. Uh, you know, they don't have any specific meaning to life. They really don't know where life is headed. Apart from the fact that they have a, uh, you know, professional qualification that they know will help them earn a lot. Um, you know, beyond that, they're just absolutely clueless. And I think God is really helped hardships and c- continues to use uh, hardship to really shape, you know, the person that I have become and we have become, I think. Yeah, so I think, uh, I mean, as you said, I don't seek for hardship, but the way I look, uh, the way I uh, handle hardship and the way I look at hardship is very different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you spoke a little bit about would... the hardship, right? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, so I think um, all my life, just to give you a backdrop, is the fact of being a performance-driven person. Like, I'm a performer. Like like I said about even my own background, where I like to be in the good books of my parents. I like to be in the good books of my teachers in my society. Everybody should look at me and say, she's, you know, the typical good girl, the good godly girl. And I don't know if every parent says it, but it, that's the title that you're aiming for always. You need to be a good Christian girl. What will others say when they looked at you? Will they say that you're a good Christian girl? So I think when, as a very young child, if you're given that as your title to aim at, that is something that you just literally gobble up and you just say that, okay, you know what, that is my aim in life. And you will do anything to keep that in focus and keep ensuring that it's always checked off. Uh, and so I think I was a good performer. Uh, I would literally say in retrospect, there was a lot of hypocrisy involved because uh, later on, I think as growing in the Lord, it came very, it became evident that all this performance probably it started off with the right intent or whatever it is as a child. But that became my norm. That became my, you know, modus operandi. Like that's how I, that's that's how I live life. I don't care how it is, but always I need to be on the good books of everybody. Mm. And that became very difficult because after a while the burden just keeps, you know, the expectations rise and you can't keep up with the demands and expectations of everybody and you know anybody on the street that you meet and. Um, so at one point, I mean, there were many points when I realized my breakdowns happened when I couldn't keep up the expectation. 
you know, and I would hate myself and I'd feel so guilty and I would feel like, okay, I've let them down. And finally it became, even though I was a Christian, even though I knew about God's grace and, you know, that I don't need to be this performer, but because this is my default setting and I keep, you know, living life like this, I don't know any other way to live. And even if people were to preach it to me and teach it to me, I just don't know how to live any other way. I mean, I will, I will listen to you. I will nod my head. I will say this is the truth, but I don't live differently on that note. Maybe on other notes, yes. So this was something that nobody really recognized, myself included, for the longest time. Still, like I said, there was a huge hit in my marriage, which literally took off every foundation that I had ever built. Like there was nothing that could be lost after that, you know, where it came to a point where, you know, it didn't matter. It, you know, you go, you completely turn 180 and you say, I couldn't care anymore. I'm done performing. I'm done, you know, keeping up people's expectations, including God's, and I don't care. So I think that's when the breaking point happened. And that's when I felt I started to understand what, it, what the gospel was. You know, that's when it started taking root in my heart that what does it really mean, this grace of God, which cannot be earned and performed, and you cannot do anything to grab it and attain it, you know, and I was like, seriously, like I had to wait, like in my mid or late 20s to really understand what this gospel is in spite of having a very clean record you know anybody and everybody you know would just say like oh such a good godly girl who prays and sings and i'm like that was i don't know how much was it show and how much of it was truth but at the same time when i saw i was not a christian you know i keep telling john there are so many times i turn to him and i say i don't really believe i was a christian at that point i don't know what that was and it just keeps going on, Bhaiya. It just keeps going on in the sense I'm still fighting that trait in my life because it's so easy for me to keep, you know, stepping onto that track of performance. And I saw that again when I started homeschooling my children, performance-driven. You know, what the community, the campus people will look at my kids and say, oh, are they the good godly children? When I go back to Kerala and my parents look, oh, are they the missionary children? So it just keeps, you know, it's such an inbuilt, very rooted thing that I have to ask God to help me fight on a very regular basis. Huh? I mean, it's not like once in a while that I need to reflect and think and fight, but it's a daily battle for me to step out of that performance zone and to trust when God says he's sovereign, I can do nothing to earn his grace. And that is so freeing. Like, I don't need to perform in my marriage. I don't need to perform in my parenting. I don't need to perform as a missionary. No, I don't need to. So I, honestly speaking, that is the freedom that I lacked because I was in the bondage of performing the whole time, thinking that's going to be, you know, that's what God wants out of me. And I mm. really did not experience the freedom that he talks about. Mm. I did not. Yeah, till mm. this started happening in my life. So that freedom has been absolutely precious for me uh, because of what I've, yeah, I have been all my life and I still am fighting against. Mm -hmm. yeah. Fascinating. And thank you guys for sharing, you know, uh, appreciate you guys being open and, you know, the, the easiest thing to do is to generally put up a facade, right. And, mm -hmm. and, and say everything is fine. Right. I mean, we always tease people when we walk across in the office, uh, you know, I say, how are you? And they say, we're fine. You know, I stop a mm -hmm. second and say, how are you really? <laughs> you know, and then people, <laughs> people actually don't expect that question back second time. And, and we see, you know, they're like, okay, somebody's willing to listen and, and just being open. I really appreciate you guys being open. Um, so a, a little bit about, thank you. Uh, so from that, uh, that transition, when, when did that happen? What, a decade ago? It seems like a decade ago, right? Just that 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 turn kind of that was a big turn for you guys, right? Just just thinking yeah. about, hey, what are we going to do this next two, three, four dec decades? Whatever God's going to give you guys. So, how is talk us through a little bit of the the process of thinking as you guys were processing? What do we do? 
right? Given what God's giving us in our minds, in your minds, I mean. Are you, I, I mean, are you talking about your, uh, I mean, our shift from Bangalore to here? Yeah, that, that was, that was probably part of that transformation, right? That you guys were going through just oh, in your minds, uh, uh -huh, right? Uh -huh. Right. Yeah, um, yeah. It, I think it was an outcome. Yeah, of, yeah, I'm yeah. thinking as an outcome, right, of what you guys yes, were. Yes, yes, it was. Processing, it was yeah. right? Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think in the in the process of like I keep referring back to the marriage, um, there was a huge hit. Okay, which questioned a lot of things for both of us because and the funniest part was we were so involved and I mean we couldn't be more engaged in church life than we were at that point. <laughs> you know, where we were like, so I mean, up and always looked up to and I mean, it was it was crazy. That's what sometimes you just feel that um, everything that you see is not what it is, really, you know, and God sees it all and God knows exactly when to pull you down from your throne and your pedestal. And that's when we really were riding high on the wave is when uh, God allowed this crash to happen in his infinitely sovereign good knowledge. Uh, so in that sense, when that happened, obviously we wrestled and we cried and we, I mean, almost to the sense of we almost felt like we're quitting everything, including the faith, you know, and we had own ways of quitting. And that's when we really started asking the hard and difficult and painful questions. Is he really what he says he is? Is this all, I mean, is this all real? Is this really for real? You know, <laughs> and I don't think I ever had to come to terms or face to face with such a question, asking that itself felt like blasphemy, but I, I, I couldn't care. I was beyond caring anything at that point. So I think at that point, it was almost like, okay, now we're going to, you know, at least it came to a point where we can ask such questions. <clears throat> and I think from there on, <clears throat> because there was so much of brokenness at that point, and we were at a place where I don't know if we were even really asking God that, or we were just throwing us up in the air, like <clears throat> basically in anger, you know, just, just taking it all out up in the air. But uh, God in his mercy started uh, very deliberately putting in, um, I would say, different resource materials into our hands. One being the word of God. Okay. Then there were a lot of missionary biographies that just happened to find their way into our hands. Uh, there was a missionary who stayed in our building, a missionary couple whom you already know. Mm. And so it just went from a lot of, uh, you know, things started turning slowly in our own hearts about what is the connection between or the relevance of suffering in a person's life who claimed to actually know God and follow God. See, that is an area which we really never explored. And we were basically on the, okay, the, you know, attributes of God and, you know, being a blessing to the world and whatever, evangelizing and sharing the gospel. And we stood there and we were stuck there, and which was good, which was in itself a lot to cover. But we had never gone to the next side of, okay, what does suffering have to play into this whole mix? And okay. because we were going through such intense suffering, is when our eyes and ears and everything else of our senses were wide open to receive what God had to tell us because there was no other balm available. Everything else was just psychobabble or some pep talk or some temporary fix. And, you know, I mean, but we knew nothing is going to hold it this time. It's yeah. either make or break. And when God moved in with these different, I mean, deliberately, he put these things into our hand and into both our hands. We started reading separately and it became more and more and more apparent that this is part and, you know, parcel of a Christian's life. And we're like, what? I mean, this is, I don't know if this is, if I had known this earlier, would I really sign up so much into this? <laughs> you know, and I'm like, I like the good stuff. I like to, you know, have things smooth. I don't like anyone rocking my boat. I like the predictability. But if suffering's going to come in my way to such an extent, and if God is going to call that even good and needed for my own sanctification, I'm like, I don't really know if I'm ready for something like that. So it took us a while to even accept the fact that suffering is good and it can be ordained by God. I was like, oh my goodness. Now, I don't know if it's even heretical according to the way I understood things. 
and mm. then it moved from there i think as a couple we started um you know he would just be in his own um i would say in his own journey of understanding that and he would never impose it on me and i would be in my own and elizabeth elliot i would say was the greatest you know resource or the person that god used the woman of god he used in my life because her suffering was another level altogether you know and then the more i read and the way she would just so beautifully bring out the sovereign goodness of god was something i had never been taught never knew in my life all these years so and that started the wheel turning for us you know and that was a very slow turn very very slow because i mean this entire learning itself was taking the wind out of my life Mm. and then to start moving like is god saying something is god moving us somewhere and at one point uh, i i remember coming up to john and just saying you know what i feel god is calling us into mission i don't even know what i said and and he's looking at me and i remember him saying something to the effect that i never wanted to be the one telling you that i was just praying if because god's been putting that on my heart and if that is something that god is calling us as a family he will put that clearly onto your heart as well and he did and mm. that's when i and I, after i said it i was horrified that i said it because i said it <laughs> you know and after i said it it honestly bhaiya it took us four years because mm. i would go back and forth back and forth i mean john just stood his ground quietly by god's grace he god gave him the wisdom to be quiet about it and not thump to me with it and make me feel guilty about it he was very gracious to just keep going to god and just waiting on god to help me be ready for it but i think it it started to become very apparent those four years of just wrestling with god like you can call us can't you call us to another city or call us to a town i mean but why are you calling us to a place like this i mean i what on earth i mean it's a completely different world out there in every sense you know language culture everything and i think it came to a point where uh, as soon as i gave birth to my second baby is when the restlessness was so strong and the the ironic the irony of it all is that's when things were so good for us in bangalore both regarding career john's career my so our social life our church life i mean everything was so beautifully set it could it was like a picture perfect postcard you know it couldn't get better than that we were just going i mean it was smooth and the restlessness was equally or more strong that as soon as the baby popped out i went up to john said let's get going let's pack up and leave and then mm. he went in and put down his papers and then things just you know just moved very quickly from there and yeah i mean not that things were like as dreamy as it was when we landed here but that's another story but that's how the transition took place the long version of of the story <laughs> <laughs> john so how about you what what were you going through during that time and phase i think uh, you know it all started um, you know somewhere i think 2009-10 when and as she was saying you know we had a you know very very difficult time in our marriage so it's around that time that you know i sort of saw that uh, um you know the faith that i was uh, preaching and proclaiming wasn't making too much of a dent in my own life uh you know so i came to a stage where i decided that okay this is uh, you know absolutely bogus uh you know i don't want to waste my life uh, you know the following and proclaiming such nonsense uh, <laughs> so so then so actually what i because i wanted it to be a very visual experience what i did was i had a one of the small pocket bibles so i made mm-hmm. her sit down on a chair and i brought my bible and i tore it into pieces and put it in the oh. dustbin <laughs> you know and i told her that uh, you know i told her this is it uh you know uh, i mean we married so i don't so you know so you know i'll not make a big scene out of it so i'll come to church with you i'll do all the outward things so then you know you don't have to be in a odd place uh you know but that's about it after that what happened was um, you know what i uh, started doing was i said okay i want to know how people of faith not christians in particular but people of faith handle suffering 
because for me the ultimate test of faith is how you handle suffering and i'm not talking about you know i have a fever or a, you know even a malaria or a typhoid you know especially chronic suffering you know where you uh, suffer without knowing if there is any end to the suffering mm. um, you know so then i started googling up on that and uh, at that time i would say it was pure coincidence but i think god was behind it it would just happen that maybe out of the first 10 in search results six or seven will be stories of some missionary somewhere you know who lost uh, you know all all his family friends co-workers everybody but just stayed on and on and on you mm. know and single missionary women you know especially one called Helen Rosaway who went to Africa was mm. raped uh, you know and then she went back and all these people it was very clear that they had an experience of Christ which was absolutely foreign to me i had absolutely no idea what they were talking about you know and i think it was there that started a fresh journey uh, to to understand and know christ and and i think our interest in missions was driven by the fact that a lot of these uh, stories were missionary stories um you know and that kind of sparked an interest that uh, you know maybe you know it's something that we would also you know want to consider uh, mm. um yeah and you actually the only cross cultural missionary indian cross cultural missionary we knew really well was my cousin who works here in ashagirin mm-hmm. so so that's how ashagirin came into the picture because we wrote to him uh, asking okay how did you make up your choice you know to move to ashagirin and he's a dentist by profession um you know yeah so that's where it i mean the ball started rolling and finally we landed up here so yeah mm. yeah you, you you ended up giving up a designer role right so you're a designer right by profession yes 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 yeah right. yeah just a little bit about what kind of got you there you know i have to say i'll say something you know at the end As about a, our design I mean, of our logo was done by you so i want to give you 100% <laughs> credit for that <laughs> Yeah how how did you kind of land there because your mind works beautifully around that uh i was always interested in art right from my school days i think that is an offshoot of the fact that i you know i mean a fact of my stammering so i had very few friends i didn't want to make friends i was a very private indo person and i developed an interest for the arts uh actually after 10th i told my dad that i wanted to you know take up arts as a you know as a career and uh, he was horrified <laughs> 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 so so oh, he man. was nothing doing you know mm. so then i did my 11th and 12th with math and science uh then after 12th i told him i want to take up arts he was even more mm. horrified so <laughs> <laughs> so you know but then yeah after i finished my graduation uh you know i slowly started doing uh, you know freelance i mean i learned all the softwares on my own i didn't uh, join mm. any course or anything i just because i had an interest i just picked up these softwares on my own and then i slowly started freelancing and uh, you know and and then the yeah and then i it became evident that people were willing to pay money or whatever i was making <laughs> yeah that's how i slowly uh, you know you know got into graphic designing yeah mm, yeah, so I, yeah I, i actually worked freelance or as an employee i worked as a graphic designer i think for more than a decade yeah actually yeah mm, uh, mm. yeah so i i am you know maybe maybe we explore a little bit about uh suffering and you know kind of without it seemingly is without a cause that is you know that has come upon you or any of us and you don't see because you don't see the end or seemingly the end you don't see kind of the purpose of that so being in that you feel uh, you know 
unjustified for being in that position. How does that talk about right now, having discovered who Christ is in, in whatever circumstance and these years? How, how, is, how are you kind of tying those two? Seemingly being in a unjustifiable position of pain, not seeing an end, not seeing a purpose. How does that tie into currently the faith that you hold of who Christ is? Regarding, I mean, if you were to put Christ in the mix, uh, you know, it's a very different way of looking at it. You know, almost the, you know, I mean, the first two, two, two decades of my life, I lived with a lot of suffering without seeing any, any purpose. You know, which is why by the time I was, you know, 17, 18 years old, I was quite clear that I didn't want to live anymore. Uh, you know, I was, uh, you know, I was, I was actively looking for ways to end my life. Mm. Um, you know, but God in His mercy, you know, I mean, met me around that time. Uh, you know, so if you were to ask me now, two decades later, uh, I would say suffering uh, has a cause. Uh, you know, it might. I mean, I mean. It might sound very obnoxious to many people who have a certain view of God, uh, but I do believe that my suffering is caused by God. You know, I have no hesitation in saying that. Mm. Uh, why do I say that? Because I know that God has a very specific purpose in my suffering. Um, you know, He hasn't just allowed me to suffer because He is this, you know, you know, in a sadistic slave master who just wants to see you know, his slaves suffer, uh, you know, but he causes suffering in my life the same way as I would put my son through very difficult times, knowing that he will learn a lot and knowing that as a father, I will always be standing alongside, not carrying him, but I'll allow him to experience all the pain of what he's going through, but standing alongside that at any time, if it gets too much for him, I will carry him for that phase. Um, yeah. You know, and that's that's exactly the way I believe that God uh, ordains and uses suffering uh, in my life and maybe in our life also. You know, so and that's something that I keep reminding myself and telling others also that God's purpose in my life is to transform me into the image of His Son. And he will use whatever means he deems fit for that end. And I don't know about other people's experience. My experience has been very clear that nothing does that better than suffering. And, and, and nothing does that better than, uh, you, know, uh, you know, suffering that goes on for a long time. You know, because I learned absolutely no uh, way out but to cling to Christ and his promises. You know, that's the only way I can move forward. Uh, yeah. You know, so therefore, if you were to ask me today, I think suffering is caused by God and it's caused by a very good God, a loving father who has a very yeah. specific purpose. And now if you were to ask me, suffering has an end. I know the day my suffering ends, uh, you know, is also the beginning of a new life, which is beyond description. Uh, mm. You know, I, I just cannot begin to describe, <laughs> you know, the life uh, to which God calls me. So therefore, suffering has an end also. Um, mm. You know, so earlier my suffering had no cause, no meaning, no end. But in Christ, my suffering has a cause, has a meaning, has an end. And all of it is so glorious that although I don't enjoy the suffering in the midst of it, when I think about the cause and meaning and the end of my suffering, it just makes perfect sense. So Yeah. That's awesome. That is awesome. You know, uh, I remember we're playing sports in school time and college time. Our coaches were horrible, I thought. Uh, you know, put us through the paces and you know, they gave us such a hard time, unbelievable hard time, especially mm -hmm. during coaching sessions. And um, 
you know, um, I still remember one of the coaches, he would, I used to be a wicket keeper. So he would put me, we had this huge like mesh, like, you know, iron mesh in the field mm-hmm. behind us. He'd say, go stand there. Okay. And then he would take, he would ask somebody to kind of throw the ball at him. He had a bat and he would hit as hard as he could at me. the only so you know it's seemingly sadistic right Uh, the only way to escape it is to catch it and you know eight out of time ten times i caught it and uh wow the two two out of the ten times i missed it but that was enough because he would hit like 40 or 50 shots so 20 percent is like i would get hit 10 times Uh, but because of that practice and that pain my reflexes became something else. So, you know, I ended up kind of, I, I would stand up front for people who would bowl fast. You know, uh, I would be up, like you see the wicketkeeper generally back, right? I would be up front yeah. because I had lost a lot of what you said, uh, the pain and now had a meaning and a purpose and it actually bred fear in the guy who was batting because he would never advance, right? Because I was right behind him. So interesting, you know, even in that small example and that great example of your lives to, to kind of see, you know, how, how do we, how do we bend our minds? Hi, baby. (laughs) She's like behind Hi there. (laughs) Hi, hi, honey. You can come and sit down. I know. So um, how do we, how do we see this as a good person, good God, right? How does kind of that suffering, which seemingly is not the good thing to have, and how do we kind of understand that God is good? Mm. It's a tough thing, right? To kind of just, it's mind bending a little bit uh, as you're going through it. I think uh, largely to add on to what John was saying, um, uh, as much as there is a start and a finish to the entire thing in God's timeline for us, um, I would say uh, personally, the the suffering that I, I had to personally go through was um, in one sense disabling the kind of performance-driven life that I the only life I knew how to live. And suffering immediately moves you to a space of being out of control. That is more painful than sometimes the suffering itself, where you feel completely not on top above the situation. You're not able to control the situation. You're not able to do everything to make it right again. That sense of out of control actually shakes your world. Where because you were able to perform and control your world to such a large extent and keep it in check, all of a sudden this suffering out of nowhere hits you and it just makes you feel and go through things that you extremely, like you, you're kind of petrified of that kind of a state of life where you're not in control. And uh, you can either become even more angry and bitter and go down that route of resentment, hating everything and everyone in the journey, or else, like if God gives us the humility and grace to accept the fact that this is one area that he uses, and I mean with a capital S suffering, to show us that he has given this to us to show how helpless and incapable we really, really, really are. And we have been buying into this lie that we are in control. If we can slowly let him teach us that step by step by step, and that itself is a long and painful, but slow and purposeful journey. And by the time you go through the entire process of not just seeing how suffering is hurting you health-wise, or you know, financially, or marriage, or whatever it has hit your life with, but a deeper issue is being dealt with simultaneously. And that is acknowledging the sovereign lordship, you know, acknowledging the sovereign control, acknowledging that God is actually the one who always had it, 
you know, and it was never you running the show. And the more you move into that space and you come out of it and you come like, it just frees you. And it actually, you look back and you say that this God was never a, you know, a sadist in the first place. He was never, you know, out to ruin my life. And he was actually good, even though it was one of the most painful and excruciatingly painful part of my life, which I really never thought I would live, you know, to see another day. So I, I would say just, just hang in there because it is not just the, you know, the so-called suffering that you can see, which God might or might not remove, but there's a deeper work that he's doing in our heart of letting us let go of the controls, which I feel is the harder thing for us, you know, as people who, as we age, I feel we like more and more control in our circumstance and with our families and with our children and everything. It's, it becomes the grasp or the grip becomes harder and tighter. And to release that becomes even more painful. <laughs> and so God knows what intensity to which he gives us. If that he can accomplish that in our life, we will always turn back and see the goodness of our God. But if we have missed that part, and we just keep on looking at the suffering that is never being elevated, then we, you know, start to frail and we start to doubt and we start to kind of, you know, start to want to give up even saying that maybe this was never for me. And this was never my cup of tea. And, you know, I just uh, need to look elsewhere and, you know, pacify myself with other things. You know, yeah. because we're missing what he's actually doing intrinsically in all of us. Yeah, so I think that's where we begin to understand, you know, if he's really a good and kind and compassionate father, or was he, you know, just the supreme being who's authoritative and he just calls the shots and, you know, ultimately what he does runs and nobody can question him. And I will resent the whole, you know, that whole attribute of God. So... Mm. Mm. How about you, John? Uh, yeah, I think one thing that I keep telling myself and even when I talk to students and others is the fact that, um, uh, you know, for, I mean, I mean, I mean, in my understanding, in my experience, that for all the things that God does in my life, which humanly are inexplicable, you know, you know in my relationship with God, he leaves traces in my human experience that tells me that you don't know how it works, but it is possible. Um, you know, so so then uh, one example would be the same as, as you were saying, right? Uh, if you are being coached for a sport, um, you know, you cannot become good at a sport unless you have been trained hard. Um, you know, and the training is painful. You know, it is not just tiring; it is painful. It's actually painful. Yes, it is. Uh, you know, no, and that shows you that pain in many areas of life is actually good, right? Or you take another example of a surgery, right? Um, you know, surgery is somebody and another human being cutting open your body. Right, but it is good, <laughs> you know. Uh, you know, post-operative pain is a painful. Uh, you know, when your body, I mean, is all stitched up and has to heal, it is very painful. But you know, it is good. You know, so what I have to keep reminding myself is, if it is good in these temporary, small, uh, you know, in the larger scheme of things unimportant things of life, mm. why can't I just trust God that he, he, it might look to me that he's inflicting pain, but he's not inflicting pain, <laughs> right? He's, he's bringing about pain in my life because he understands very clearly in a way that I can neither see nor understand that this pain is going to be very good for me. Mm -hmm. you know? So then what I have to see from my human experience, how it works, I have to now learn to trust God 
that he is infinitely better and infinitely more um you know uh, i mean i mean all knowing to be able to do this uh, you know and that really helps me you know when you know when i go through pain uh, you know to just learn that yeah i mean there are tons of uh, you know instances in my life where pain brings out good you know so why can't i trust god when he says that you trust me pain this pain will bring out good Dear friends, thank you so much for listening in and we really appreciate you taking the time. Hope that was an encouragement. Uh, I've often thought about this and maybe even quoted it multiple times. You know, the the strength of the bond uh, uh depends on the way the material can take pressure. Right? Take for instance charcoal and diamond. They both are made out of carbon and the way the bond is is actually defining the way the substance is. So you know pressure can lead you into either way right you can buckle and then you become charcoal and you can take it in and use it and you become diamond so you can see how pressures play a critical role in relationships and you probably got a glimpse of that in the discussion that we had we've got more coming at least a couple of weeks and it's been a pleasure talking to them and uh, and and you know taking this out to our friends to kind of see how this can be an encouragement so If you liked it, you know, leave us a comment or ask us a question. You know, you can go to our website or you can in any of the um, platforms that you use, you can leave us a comment. We really appreciate uh, you joining us and uh, we wish you the best and have a blessed weekend.